smashing up Britney Spears and Led Zeppelin. Uh, let me give you a real fast events rundown just maybe today, tomorrow, and then we'll go into Living Writers. Uh, today at the Gandhi Dancer, the Dobbs, Crank, and Weed Piano Jazz Trio will be performing. Uh, Ann Arbor DocuFest is happening at Luther House at 7 p.m. Uh, Michigan Robot Pl- Club is at M- MakerWorks at 7 p.m. And uh, Lindsay Lou and the Flatbellers is at the Ark at 8 p.m. Tomorrow, Sonic Lunch is at Liberty Plaza at 11.30 in the morning with Black Jake and the Carnies. And Alex Bellhodge's New Orleans Jazz Trio is at the Ravens Club at 9 p.m. Event information is brought to you by Current Magazine, Ann Arbor's Entertainment Monthly, available at many locations around town. Events info can be heard in the morning at 1.30, and 10.30, and also at 1.30 p.m., 4.30 p.m., and 8.30 p.m. right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Now it's time for Living Writers. Good afternoon and welcome to Living Writers right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Tex. I'm filling in for T this afternoon. She will be back in a couple of weeks. T. Hetzel, the regular host of this show. Uh, And just because we can, we have some special guests live in the studio today uh, right here on uh, Living Writers. Uh, we are looking forward to the Carytown Book Fest, and we have Robin Agnew uh, from Aunt Agatha's Bookstore and Kate Kehoe, who is involved with the festival. Uh, hello, Robin and Kate. Thank you so much for coming down. Hey, Tex. Thanks for having us. Hi. You bet. Well, uh, Kate, I, Robin, I've met you and talked about books with you and worked with you before on this show, but uh, Kate, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, my day job is here at the university at the Hatcher Graduate Library, and in my spare time, I run an arts and crafts business uh, called Chikaloo, and that's sort of how I got involved in the book fest. Uh, well, we'll be talking much more about that. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wasn't really aware of, uh, at least uh, until I looked through some of the materials with the book fest, was uh, how much uh, the craft of bookmaking uh, has been part of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But why don't we start with when, what, where, how, and maybe <laughs> later get into why. When is the festival this year? It's Sunday, September 9th, and it's at the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market. Um, it's a very nice, concentrated venue. We also use the Carytown Concert House across the street, and it runs from 11 to 5 on that day. So you can get in there under the uh, uh, the sheds, even if there's a thunderstorm. Yeah. Things will stay relatively dry. <laughs> That's not going to happen, no, though. We, Knock on wood. <laughs> we, we, uh, we count on good weather. It's, we've been so lucky. The past nine years, we haven't had any rain, so or very little. <laughs> well, it's sort of the end of thunderstorm season. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are around. A lot of people are coming into town without mm-hmm. yeah. having quite known... Uh, what it's all about, uh, Ann Arbor is about, or the book festival is about. Uh, What is the book festival all about? 
Well, um, it was started by Tom and Cindy Hollander, who are big in the book arts community. So their focus uh, initially was on book binding and paper making, letterpress printing. And we always have that aspect of the book festival. And this is the 10th year. And so they are our honorees for the year. So they decided to, they saw, uh, I, I was wondering about, um, you know, the history of the fest and how it's gotten as big as it has. I, I think that first year it was just kind of lucky that U of M was doing an event at the market the night before and there was a big tent. And Tom just thought, hey, there's a big tent. Why don't we, you know, have a festival? And, you know, we had, I don't know, maybe 80 vendors that first year, something like that. And it was just a really fun party. And it's sort of stayed that way, and it's continued to grow every year. So it's uh, it, it it filled a need that nobody quite knew was there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and how did that, Kate? How did that look to you as a you know as somebody who was actually involved with the craft of making books? Um, you know, it was really interesting because I was a Sunday artisan market vendor, and I knew some of the book fest people, but really didn't think I would fit. So, um, but they gave us applications through the Sunday Artisan Market saying, hey, why don't you try it? And I was like, well, you know, sure, it's a Sunday. I'm already going down there normally anyway. So I was just really impressed with the variety, um, you know, from the real old school book binding, paper making to the more modern stuff, which is kind of what I do, which is using recycled goods and making sort of pop, pop art books and things. Has there always been an art of making books? Has book bookmaking always been a small but distinct art form, or is that a contemporary thing? I think it's always been. Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, it, it, you know, ebbs and flows like most crafts do. But I know a lot of people now who just take a lot of joy in, you know, picking out the paper and how do they want to bind it, and mm-hmm. you know, just making it a one of a kind sort of piece of art, and not necessarily like a Hey, these we're going to mass produce these, yeah. Yeah. but just as a as an individual craft. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, people have always taken care with papers. You know, my own. At one point, before I became a struggling writer, my background was in academic musicology, and you know, it was a great shock to me to find out that you could figure out where a manuscript came from by what kind of paper, the watermark Mm -hmm. on the paper back Mm -hmm. in the 18th century. And certainly there have always been beautiful books. And the festival is probably a good place to check that out. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I was uh, brought on board the second year to um, help grow the author portion of the day. Right. So there's two parts of it. Mm-hmm. So at first it was book arts and then authors. And so, well, this year there's a focus on a specific author or a specific theme related to what we all hope will be a postseason sporting event. Is that right? <laughs> oh, the Tigers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of our premier panels for sure. <laughs> Uh, it's it's funny, every year it's kind of organic how the panels form themselves. There just happen to be a lot of books about the Tigers, and it just took off. And it's it's uh, sounds so interesting to me, and I'm not even a huge baseball fan, but I think it's going to be a great panel. Uh, that's an interesting <laughs> point about how, how the, you know, the panels form themselves, because, mm-hmm. you know, certainly right now, baseball fan or not, you know, what's happening in the center of Detroit is something that's getting 
attention, regional yeah, and great. national <laughs> attention, and yeah. it's very timely. What are some other ones that? Uh, well, our theme in general is uh, the circle of the book. So, uh, several of the panels have to do with um, how uh, books get published, um, or like there's a. a a panel with the Wayne State editor who's going to talk about how she acquires her manuscripts and she'll have three of her authors there. And another panel that I'm real interested in is called Mentored by Estelman and Lauren Estelman will be there with three authors whose careers he's helped launch, more or less. And there's also a panel with um, a group of uh, young adult writers who are, it's called The Path to Publication. For an aspiring writer, that sounds it's like pretty dreamy. A, just yeah. about an ideal <laughs> way of uh, thing to be involved in. Yeah. Um, do you have to register for those, or nope? You just show up. The whole day's free. Um, just show up and enjoy talking to authors, hearing them talk, um, walk around and see all the vendors because we have so many great vendors mm -hmm. and. It's such a, as Kate was saying, such a great variety. There's like soap makers and T-shirt guys and booksellers, and there's everything there. Hmm. Yeah, well, we're. I, I want to talk later on about the individual vendors, uh, and and you know that we have specifically some of the things you can see that you may not even mm -hmm. have thought about at mm -hmm. the festival. Um, but just you know, a few more questions about the the festival as a whole, which. <laughs> It's growing every year, and at mm -hmm. first, you know, I was I was hardly aware that it was there, and then, you know, it's become a fairly major event in our community. Uh, I'm interested in this, you know, this uh, the way the the organic the way the book portion has come together organically. What are some earlier examples of that? Anything come um, to mind? Well, I think uh, the event took a big jump ahead when we got Jane and Michael Stern on the program, who are the road food people, and um, that was just totally lucky. I emailed their website, and out of the blue, Michael Stern called me and said, hey, I'd love to come to the book fest. I was like, really? <laughs> and, you know, that's just sort of a after that year, our attendance has grown. Uh, again, so, <laughs> you know, an incredibly timely thing, just which just, lucky. you know, again, yeah. whether you're a foodie or or not, it's yeah. just, it's hard to avoid in our mm. culture. It's like, you look at it and you say, wow, these people really have their finger on the pulse. Yeah. <laughs> so he just called you up. Yeah. You know, he actually emailed me and said, here's my phone number. Why don't you give me a call? And we had a nice chat and they agreed to come and it was just wonderful. And they fit in perfectly because they're also, you know, sort of historians of food. Yeah. So they're perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how has, you know, as, since as it has grown from, you know, uh, the, the Hollanders who, if you're listening out of town, run, uh, have been involved with paper arts in our town for a while and run a mm -hmm. uh, terrific little store that is fascinating even to an aesthetic boob like me <laughs> uh, over in the Carytown Shopping Center. It's a beautiful store. It's, it's amazing. Just, I mean, boy, if you want to just make a good impression and you have to get a present for somebody, just walk mm -hmm. in there. If you yeah. buy the sheet of paper, they'll wrap it for you and it will look like you spent like Millions. days slaving <laughs> yeah. over the possible <laughs> proper thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. So it was originally them and then sort of them and you, Robin, uh, and now it has a whole sort of governing structure. How did that uh, come together? Well, there was always a board, and it, um, you know, it changes every year, sort of. But so I've been on for, this will be my ninth year, 
There's a couple of us who have been on a long time. Um, and it's good to get new people circulating through because they have new ideas. Like Kate brought a lot on board about artisans, which has been wonderful. Right. To to get back to that, mm-hmm. but yeah. also yeah. into to new areas. Mm-hmm. Well, and people who don't necessarily know that we think it can't be done, but they have no idea why we don't think it can be done. So yeah. it's, it's like, hey, why don't we try? And I think that's how a lot of the things come yeah. out. It's like, why don't we ask this person? The worst they can do is exactly. say no. Yeah. And sometimes we get a yes. So, okay. so who are some new, uh, some new artisans this year? Well, um, coming back for her second year, um, Nicole Ray of Slow Gin Fizz, um, who does these amazing, whimsical little drawings um, and puts them into different formats as well as um so prints and cards and little bags and things and uh she actually won our best display award last year because uh-huh. she just has this great display of way of showing her art and making it fun and accessible to people um so she's one of my favorites um coming this year um actually my friend jen of mimi and boo does um amigurumi figures the crochet so she'll crochet a medusa or a brain slug and she just you know pretty much if you can think it she can crochet it and so of course i give her lots of ideas of what i want and then she's like i don't have time so she's coming this year and i think she has a lot of fun stuff um what kind of promotion do you do you know does this it seems as though people are coming even from out of town uh, Mm -hmm. beyond going on wcbn (laughs) <laughs> How do you advertise or publicize on the internet or publicize um, among book groups uh, an event like this? A lot of different ways. I send out schedules to you know librarians I know around the state, Heartland and Romeo and Southfield, and we have um, advertising in the Ann Arbor Observer, mm-hmm. AnnArbor.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're you know we have a website. We encourage all our speakers to link to their facebook pages or websites and we've done a lot of stuff like kind of grassroots yeah uh, low budget sort of you know (laughs) (laughs) advertising just because we've tried to keep the budget reasonable and small so that we don't like all of a sudden have a year where things don't work out as well yeah and you end up struggling so we really want to keep it in something that we have control over right Uh, You know, I've produced a lot of small-time music shows or worked with them Mm -hmm. in various capacities, and one thing I've learned is, um, you know, if you have a choir, you are pretty much guaranteed to have at least Mm -hmm. a decent audience because hopefully (laughs) most people in the choir can force Mm -hmm. at least one person to come. You know, you have so many different things going on in the Mm -hmm. fair that something of the same thing must Mm -hmm. have many different grassroots organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's like, you know branching out into facebook and being able to link with people and you know when i do other shows i'm always here's here's Mm -hmm. my card here's our flyer here's you know (laughs) a lot of just like politicians sort of going hey nice to meet you i'm on the carry town book fest board you want to (laughs) come come hang out with us exactly (laughs) cool well why don't we uh why don't we uh end this part by you can tell us your facebook page and website and then uh, when we come back uh, we'll get into, you know, some more specific activities and arts that are happening at the fair. Okay. Um, our, our website is carrytownbookfest.org, and the Facebook page is just carrytownbookfest. Uh, Facebook.com slash carrytownbookfest. Yeah, probably. I think searching it would work. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to Living Writers on WCBN. I'm Tex. Uh, filling in for tea this week, we have Kate Kehoe and Robin Agnew from the Carrytown Book Fest, which is happening 
uh, once again when? Uh, Sunday, September 9th. Sunday, September 9th. If you're in Michigan, it's nice, easy driving distance. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Living Writers Show on WCBN. Uh, we're talking about the Carytown Book Fest today with uh, Robin Agnew from Aunt Agatha's Bookstore and Kate Kehoe, who is a librarian and book artist uh, in many capacities. Um, thank you again for coming down. Um, I, I just looking at the list of of things that happen at this event, which is so much more than a sale of used books. Mm-hmm. It's it just is. it's amazing, and I want to try to give people kind of an idea of uh, of everything that goes on. But maybe a good way of getting into that is you know we've talked about books as art. Uh, it's a pretty good family event for that weekend too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are something that uh, what are some things that you can uh, get involved with for the whole family? We have well, we have two separate children's areas this year. We have a, a area for children's storytelling, and we have an area for children's activities, which is um, pretty exciting. I think we have um, one of the women who's been coming several years is Ruth McNally Barshaw, who writes a series of books about Ellie McDoodle, and she does a drawing workshop for like tweens or. Just anybody. She's really fun and enthusiastic, and she gets the she has the kids make little books, and she's just really fun. And then we've had um, for several years Deborah Deason has come, and she wrote a kids book called The Pout Pout Fish, 
which in kids' book circles is huge, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she does a little sing-along, and she reads her books. And then Heather O'Neill has been with us every year, and she tells stories from Nepal. And this year she's bringing a bicycle rickshaw from Nepal that she's going to park by her booths that everyone can look at and the kids can climb on and stuff. And we have uh, Eric Nelson is doing um, crafts for... He's sort of a boy-oriented type craft guy. I think he did water bombs last year, so that should be fun. What's a water bomb? I don't know. <laughs> it just looked messy over there. <laughs> and the Fly Art Center from Ypsilanti's uh, running crafts for the first couple hours. Yeah. Which should be great. Mm-hmm. So uh, kids actually getting into making books as a, uh, in addition mm-hmm. to il- telling the stories and illustrating them. Exactly, yeah. bookmarks, too. And, and Oh, and bookmarks, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like a good, uh, you know, good event, good outdoor event before the weather starts to uh, uh, deteriorate yeah. to get the kids exactly. outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll just have started school. Uh, they'll be uh, all excited. Uh, storytelling is is something that uh, is, you know, it's uh, of interest. Uh, I am involved with the ARC, and we do a festival every year with uh, an adult and then a children's Mm -hmm. uh, storytelling day, which often involves the same artists. It's interesting to me that, you know, in that, you know, most people can't do both, but storytellers actually (laughs) can. Uh, how interesting. <laughs> how has that worked out? Uh, how you know? How did that become part of the festival? And how does it? How how? Where do you go uh, to see that? Um, well, the ch- there's a large tent devoted to the work, the activity portion, and then there's a smaller tent for the storytelling. And since you mentioned it, Laura Pershing Rayner is going to be with us for the first time this year, and she's pretty well known. She's live well, well storyteller known here. And we also have a guy, uh, Brian Short, who is with the Moth Story Slam, who's going to be a moderator for one of the panels. Oh, awesome. <laughs> he's not actually telling stories, but yeah. he sounds fun. <laughs> uh, is, so is he going to talk about story slams and, and slam culture in general? Sadly, no. He's interviewing two of our more interesting speakers. but <laughs> Oh, I see. So he's, yeah. he's he just happens to be part of the day. Interviews. It's, yeah. you know, it's interesting that uh, to me that, you know, with everyone talking about electronic books it's not mm-hmm. only is an event like yours growing by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. but also you know oral the rise of oral mm-hmm. story arts has yeah has increased right mm-hmm. along with uh, just almost exactly in tandem with the rise of electronic books well that's interesting i, I wasn't aware of that correlation it, i don't know if it correlates but it sure seems suspicious doesn't it it was <laughs> mid 90s is when i remember this stuff really getting started around here yeah um it's and yeah it's it, it's well it, there are so many uh parts to the art of the book mm-hmm. um and you find people to demonstrate them all is this area kind of a a center for that or if you're if a listener is listening in Little Rock Arkansas could they do something similar is there a lot of no. book arts around here this is a center for it um, there, I think there's maybe two in the country but Hollanders is one of the biggest centers in the country for for paper for arts, arts. Mm-hmm. for book arts in general in general yeah and we have a lot of like local publishers that you know, mm-hmm. that are, they're doing a panel. I'm not sure exactly who's all on that one. Thompson Shore. It's Thompson Shore and Edwards Brothers uh-huh. and Sheridan Books are going to talk about niche publishing, uh-huh. and printing, so. which we're also a center for. 
That's that's very interesting. I mm-hmm. do some a, a lot of freelance editing work, and Edwards Brothers has been one of my clients. And mm-hmm. it's you know it's been there since my mom was in school at yeah. the U of M in the forties, <laughs> and it's this you know the classic old setup with the, the front the, the editorial people in the front who I deal with, and then the factory is right behind it. It's that's just so cool. It's all in <laughs> one building. Um, but uh, you know, let's say. I, I've thought of, you know, I actually, they have done a series of golf books, and mm-hmm. at times I've thought, gee, a way to finance a trip to Scotland would be to do one of those <laughs> books that idea. has two covers, you know, and the front cover would be everything I needed to know about golf I learned at the pub, and then the back, the other front cover would be everything I needed to know about scotch I learned on the golf course. Um so let's say I wanted to do this, and I showed up at the book festival. Uh, what, what should I should I sign up for their panel? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I would say absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's. Um, I'm not. I think we're the Midwest capital for small print run. I'm. I'm pretty sure. I have a cousin in Texas who is a publisher, and he comes up here to Thompson Shore to get his books printed. Uh, the Observer just did a story about one of these publishers, mm-hmm. as in that they they got some equipment. They invested in some equipment. I can't remember. Maybe it was Thompson Shore. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was two well, or three months ago. Um, well, one thing I do know about is our one of our board members, John Buller, uh, owned Bessenberg Bindery, which Thompson Shore acquired. And they took all of John's equipment and moved it into their warehouse. And he is teaching people how to hand bind books so they can do that as a specialty, which they're going to continue to do. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so this is actually not only cool in itself, but is contributing jobs to yes, yes, <laughs> to yes, our community. <laughs> um, and is 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 binding book binding the craft of book binding? Is that going to be part of the festival too? Oh, it always is. Yeah. yeah. There's always someone there who's actually hand-stitching a book. Or they we're going to, um, w- one of the things we're doing is a little poetry chapbook. We have a pan- panel of poets. And yeah. um, that day, anyone visiting can print a cover themselves with a letterpress printer and then do a little quick binding stitch and bind their book. So you can do it yourself, hands-on. It just, you know, <laughs> it's, again, I'm more involved with writing about music uh, mm-hmm. than literature, but I've just, you know, I've seen this work out so well for so many bands, getting a little bit of familiarity mm-hmm. uh, with this craft. Orpheum Bell is a band mm-hmm. I've worked with around mm-hmm. town, and they do these, uh, one of their albums was completely hand handmade. Really? Wow. Um, and, and printed on letterpress, and uh, I think they've all partly done that. So mm-hmm. this might be beyond people who already are interested in books, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and an interest in, uh, you know, anything that is 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 done on a small scale. It sounds like mm-hmm. you could find something at this fest mm-hmm. to deepen what you do and to make it more compelling as a way of presenting yourself. And it's always interesting if you walk through the fair, people are often working on something while they're there Mm -hmm. so i'll bring something to to work on and you know my friend will bring her crochet stuff to work on and and so you can actually watch people you know making something Mm -hmm. and and it gives you a better connection to the final product which is always interesting it's not like oh i'm just picking it up off a shelf and you can see that that time and effort that actually went into making the piece well, and again, you know, there are so many uh, fairs and festivals around where it's vendors sitting at a table selling things, mm-hmm. uh, but this is much more a 
you know, a participant, sounds like much more of a participatory event. I think so. And I've done a lot of those sit and sell kind of shows. And this one, I find, you know, the interaction with the customers is better. I don't know if it's because they came looking for books and they're seeing art and they're like, oh, this is totally new to me. So they're not all jaded the way sometimes (laughs) they can be. Yeah. Well, this said, there are there are going to be people selling things there, mm-hmm. and it's uh, early in the history of the fair. That was a uh, you know the fact that you could find a pretty unusual uh, mm-hmm. selection of antiquarian books there. Um, who are some dealers who show up for this thing? Um, Martin Bailey Books, uh, Kaleidoscope, Westside Books. Um, Jay Platt does appraisals for people free that day, so you can bring your old encyclopedia or whatever and yeah. look at it for you or um ray walsh curious books from lansing comes over uh-huh. there's um magina books mm-hmm. uh they've they've come every all, every t- all 10 10 years uh, that's a very rare opportunity to mm-hmm. get somebody like jay platt to appraise your old book it, it really is <laughs> he's one of the giants of the industry yeah he's i think he's the um longest standing bookseller in town as far as i know Wow. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, interesting stuff is in the pipeline. I don't know if you read that uh, New York Review of Books article by Larry McMurtry, who, who had oh, 400,000 yeah. books in, in Archer <laughs> City, Texas. And well, it's kind of a scary story. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of driving down the prices for the rare stuff. Oh, no, just sort of uh, as a used book dealer, how they kind of multiply while you're sleeping. And that <laughs> seems to be what happened to him. <laughs> it, 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 he it, had too it, many books. <laughs> he, he just started yeah. filling up warehouse space yeah, yeah and, and realized that his, it was yeah. becoming a, it was a fast yeah story, current issue of the New York Review of Books. Well, we're coming up on uh, 5 o'clock, so I should tell you that uh, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We're talking about the Carytown Book Fest, which is happening on Sunday, September 9th, and we can take a short break, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM.
are listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM. Uh, I'm Tex. I'm filling in for T. She'll be back either in uh, next week or in a couple of weeks' time, uh, certainly in time for the school year. Uh, we're here every week with, uh, well, usually with writers. We've had some even pretty famous ones. We had Lauren Esselman, who is uh, appearing at uh, this year at the Carytown Book Fest. So this year we're talking actually about uh, not about the writers, but the books and how to make them. Uh, and we have Robin Agnew and Kate Kehoe here today. Thanks again for coming down. It's a lot of fun. Well, it is fun. a lot of fun. <laughs> I've just been, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, all of the things that happen at this festival, which started out fairly small and is getting mm -hmm. to be a big, big thing. Uh, some of these panels uh, you talked about, uh, you know, how the Wayne, there's a panel devoted to uh, how the Wayne State University Press chooses and acquires manuscripts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's a press that has uh, published some legendary stuff dealing with the culture of this area in Detroit and yeah. in Ann Arbor and beyond. Uh, but just, you know, it's serious and it's light. It's quite a list. It's just you could go for this reason alone to, uh, you know, <laughs> to pick up, uh, to, to think about your own career as an author. We talked about the Detroit Tigers panel, uh, which is, uh, it's Tiger Mania, mm -hmm. um, uh, baseball historian, uh, uh, several, several baseball historians, isn't yes, that right? Yes, two baseball historians. And uh, Carrie Farrell's uh, father was a knuckleball catcher. So she has a book about him. About so it's a, a tiger's a tiger's memoir, mm -hmm. and, and then one of the guys was Sparky Anderson's partner manager. He was he did PR for the Tigers. Uh huh. And he's the author of Sparky and Me. Mm -hmm. So you know this is a decent baseball event mm -hmm. uh, down here this year. If you want. Coney Island hot dogs with your baseball <laughs> game. I thought it was a good pairing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate, you're going to be leading that discussion. I am. <laughs> At a meeting, I we mentioned that I was it. like, oh, I like Flint style conies over Detroit style conies, and then got nominated to moderate the panel. <laughs> a fascinating topic in itself. I've often tried to draw a line on the map between the you know the there are, there are, there's all these food lines mm -hmm. you know there's the sweet tea line and in germany there's this weisswurst nation <laughs> line <laughs> and uh, you know they're in right here in michigan we have the flint style coney and the detroit style yep. coney line there's a place in i think it's up near Fenton that serves both. So you have oh. to ask which kind you want. Uh, that's oh. uh, that's amazing. I've got to <laughs> check that out. Yep. They're going to be doing a PowerPoint of all the photos in the book. So It's a really fun-looking book. Starving when you're done. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got to get back here yeah. for this. Um, <laughs> I, the, uh, who, are the, who wrote a book about Detroit Coney's? Oh. That's a Wayne State book, and it's to, um, I think they were Detroit news reporters, or they still are, and they're, uh, it's a, hus I think they're husband and wife, I'm not positive, but um, it, it's, it has beautiful photographs, it's a gorgeous book, and I guess they, they just love talking about hot dogs. <laughs> Coffee table book about, yeah. about hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now there's something where you really see the, how the craft of the book could, uh, you know, could really play a role because that could look really chintzy if yeah. you didn't do it mm -hmm. right. Wayne State does a beautiful job. They really do. And when I'm programming, I try and uh, have some serious topics and some fun ones so that there's, you know, something that would appeal to almost anyone. That's my goal. 
did the Coney Island hot dog get started in Detroit or Cincinnati? Oh, I don't know. A deep question, isn't it? <laughs> don't want to get in trouble. I think we have to say Detroit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating subject, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in upstate New York, they call it a Michigan dog. They don't call it an Ohio dog. Oh, really? Dog. Yeah. Well, so that answers your question, doesn't it? <laughs> it? Tells you something, but they have their partisans down there, too. There was a Coney Island amusement park in yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had something to do with it. But you know what it was is that Eastern Europeans all came over here and they were all looking for the big score. So this stuff all started at the same time. So you can talk more about that with people who know it. Uh, Catherine Jung and Joe Grimm are the authors of that book. That'll be at four o'clock mm-hmm. at the Carytown Book Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as we say, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's serious and light topics mm-hmm. both and you could spend the whole day. Uh, new Voices in Women's Fiction uh, we're we're going to get Natalie Bacopoulos down here one of these days. Oh, well, you should. Uh, yeah. Definitely have to. She's a friend of T's. If she doesn't do it, I'm going to do it before she gets back because uh, <laughs> she has a terrific book out about uh, events in Greece in the 60s. Um, but uh, who are some of the other uh, authors who are going to be on that panel, and how did you contact them? Um, that one, I... Jeremiah Chamberlain helped us with some of our programming, who works at the University of Michigan. He's a teacher, and he's married to Natalie, actually, so uh-huh. he, of course, suggested her. And then he knows Eileen Pollock, and he suggested her. And then I sort of asked Bonnie Jo Campbell, who I'd like to have on the program anytime, and she finally said, yeah, I'll moderate. So it just, t- it's, you know, kind of blossomed. I mean, she's sort of the, I guess she's the old talent, you know, talking to the new talent. Um, and that will be at 2 o'clock, on, at two o'clock. on Sunday the mm-hmm. 9th. Uh, there's an event schedule on your website, yes. which is carytownbookfest.org. Dot .org. Yeah. Uh, not .com, but <laughs> .org. Uh, this is one that you ought to know about, Robin. Three awesome mystery babes and one mysterious dude. Yeah, this, that was a fun... This panel is... Um, Almost all uh, journalists who are now writing mysteries, um, Hank Ryan, in fact, has won 27 Emmys for on-air reporting, and now she's dipping her toe into the mystery world as well. And Brian Gruley wrote for, he was um, worked for the Wall Street Journal, and he's now with the Huffington Post, but he's writing mysteries set in Michigan. And P.J. Parrish, um, that's a, two sisters, we're getting one of the sisters, and they write about a P.I. who is from Michigan. And then the other woman is Julie Kramer, who was also on air in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And she has, I think, five books out now. Yeah. They're really fun. I love them. Uh, well, this is, you know, this is an interesting topic. And I'm hoping in the last part of the show we can talk uh, a little bit with you, Robin, or, or certainly with you both about the book business these days and <laughs> and how it how it's, you know, how small genres or genre fiction has been affected by... Uh, the internet, but it certainly mm-hmm. seems as though a whole lot of people are trying to write them and writing about things close to home that they mm-hmm. know. Um, but uh, Kate, uh, before we get to that, uh, before the uh, another break, uh, let's talk a little bit more about some of these other book arts that okay. are involved. It's <laughs> it's quite a collection. Wood engravers mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is that in terms of doing hand again doing hand printed illustrations in mm-hmm. books yes and it's it's quite a skill i'm i'm in awe of the people it's that have amazing. that ability i've always been kind of in awe of them too it's like <laughs> how do you even imagine i mean 
I can look at a sheet of paper and know that I can't draw what I see, <laughs> but I can imagine that someone could. But with the engraving, I can't even imagine how you could imagine it. I, I agree. <laughs> and that detail is amazing. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, one mistake. And, I you know. know, but those people, they just they have that eye and that patience mm-hmm. and they can just really, you know, they have a feel for their material. And it's just it is definitely an art of the highest form. And paper making was one of the earliest uh, arts in the festival. Uh, who's doing interesting things with that around here that will be at the mm. festival? That's a hard one. Yeah, that's we're not uh, experts on paper making. No, but. no. <laughs> but um, we do have um, the marbler, the person who yeah, does I saw paper that marbling. Too, yeah, and that's a you know because that can easily become like oh, it just looks like all my crayons melted into one big pile and yeah. Um, <laughs> And paper making, there's a lot of people who are doing different ones, and the problem is they tend to be limited runs of paper, so it's like they might make one sheet, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, then that that's it for that that style. And um, The marbling sounds like an incredibly specialized craft that has just been handed down. How do you learn to do something like that? Besides showing up at the Perry Town <laughs> yeah. Book Festival, or, and or going to Hollanders yeah. and taking a class, I think Hollanders, you know, had classes, and they, I think there's, yeah. I mean, one of the things is now that there's things like YouTube, and there's a lot of these people who are making videos showing their how they do their work, uh-huh. so that people can sort of have an idea of the amount of time and and skill that goes into these different crafts. Mm-hmm. I think that that's helped kind of spread the word a little bit. And with Hollanders, I know um, in my online selling. People are like, oh, you're in Ann Arbor. Hollanders is there, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. that's like the mecca of paper yeah. um, in the Midwest. And so there's, uh, you know, it's it's got far-reaching, uh, far-reaching. Uh, can't think of the word now. <laughs> Resonance. Yes, Resonances. thank you. <laughs> People don't. Yeah, th- that one I knew is was unusual mm-hmm. in terms of just as a retail outlet. Mm-hmm. I once could not figure out what to get my mother for Christmas, so I just went and bought a whole bunch of sheets of wrapping <laughs> paper, and I think she liked that more than anything else I've ever gotten her. <laughs> I just buy paper. Yeah. I don't, and a lot of times I don't use it. It just, just look at it. You can like put just, it up on the wall. It's so pretty. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've framed absolutely. it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's incredible. But uh, you know, again, to think that you can get into. Uh, some of these arts yourselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and begin to explore them for yourself is pretty amazing. And that's part of what the Carytown Book Festival is about. Definitely. Well, yeah, you can talk to, like, you know, to have face-to-face contact with someone who's doing something that interests you. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of feel out, is this something that you want, you know, would be able to try? What are what are the time constraints and financial constraints of doing this sort of thing? And whereas you wouldn't necessarily get that in, in, a, in another venue. So it's I think it's really you know, spreading the love of making these things. Does it cost a lot to get into book arts or is it some, is it a good hobby for somebody on a budget? I think you could do both. I think, you know, there's a lot of people who, yeah, you can go high end where you're like, well, that's, (laughs) I think I've had cars that cost less and then you can do like, you know, a lot of people using old recycled, they'll use maps and Mm -hmm. old papers and envelopes and things and just sort of create, you know, a history and that doesn't necessarily cost a lot. Um, so you can do it um, definitely on the lower end of the cost scale. So it's really what you want to make. I would think that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of books that are done on an individual scale are 
family histories and things like that. I know mm-hmm. that as an editor, mm-hmm. I'm sometimes called on to uh, edit the text of those. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like it would be a good plan to, uh, you know, you, you would end up with a better product if you're contemplating something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, well, I know one of our other board members had, a, I think it was a Bible from her grandmother that she was going to have rebound, uh-huh. you know, because the cover was starting to fall apart. And it's a way to preserve, you know, the the memory and the history of the piece um, and not worry about it necessarily falling apart on you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's take another little break. And when we come back, we can talk about old books generally and selling, you know, selling old books and selling genre books uh, with Robin Agnew, who is, in addition to uh, being the... Uh, Big Poobah. I'm missing the exact actual title here at the Carytown Book Fest. I'm president. She's the president, uh, is the uh, uh, one, the co-owner of Aunt Agatha's books. Uh, so uh, let's, let's take a, a quick break, and, uh, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN. Good afternoon. Welcome back. You are listening to Living Writers on WCBN, talking about books and the Carytown Book Fest, Sunday, September 9th, with Robin Agnew and Kate Kehoe. And we, we've talked about appraising books at several points in this show. Maybe that's a good way to get uh, from uh, book crafts and arts to books in general. I know that with coins, for instance, uh, people tell you be very careful about trying to clean anything up. Uh, is it possible to get in trouble if I bring an old book and try to repair it? 
I'm sure that's the case. I'm not an expert on book repair by any means because the the old books we sell are the oldest ones are probably from 1910. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're not super old. They're not super antiquarian, and we're selling more, way more new books than that. But in general, do mm. people bring old books to the book festival? I think so. Yeah, there's a good mix of. Yeah. You know, it's not not going to be your ten thousand dollar book, yeah. but there's definitely, definitely a range of you know the more antiquarian and the and the new new and then yeah. just old. <laughs> and well, once again, we will have Jay Platt. I'm looking here to see exactly when and where that is going to be. I think he's just going to be at his booth. It'll be all day. Oh, he'll have a booth. Yeah. Uh, Jay, if you're not familiar with Jay, he's I, I might if he's listening today. I'd like to thank him for his. Uh, <laughs> Uh, support of WCBN down through the years as well, but uh, he's he runs one of the legendary uh, used bookshops, uh, the Old West Side mm-hmm. uh, bookshop on West Liberty in mm-hmm. downtown Ann Arbor, and uh, knows a lot. He he would know a lot about rare books. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, thinking more about books in general, the uh, one of the more amusing books I've read recently was a super sad true love story of uh, Gary <laughs> Steingart, uh, which has uh, the humorous device of uh, a guy who sort of, he's the last person to read physical books. And every, when he <laughs> carries them on a plane, people complain about the smell. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. But it, uh, it's a great book and it's, it's spot on in many ways. His, what he makes of sort of Facebook is, is, uh, is very interesting. But on that, he seems to have kind of missed the mark in that as ebooks grow, uh, appreciation of the physical book as an object uh, is growing too. Robin, how does that look to you? Robin Agnew of Aunt Agatha's Bookshop. How does that look to you as a bookseller? Do you see it? Uh, which way do you see it going over the next ten years? Well, I I certainly think eBooks are going to grow, but I st- I think there will still be people who want a physical book, like people want a vinyl record. I mean, and uh, for our business, events really drive it, and so do used books. I mean, a three fifty paperback is still cheaper than a you know a download. Mm-hmm. And you can lend it to someone or carry it on a plane or read it on the beach and you can't beat it. (laughs) I find it interesting that, you know, even as the big mega bookstores have problems, it's that segment that seems to actually be doing well. I I go down to Toledo from time to time. Mm -hmm. I have some friends down there and there's this place called You Kazoo, (laughs) uh, which I guess they have a few stores around. There's one in Southgate, but it's these guys who claim to have discovered an algorithm for recent used books that will oh, okay. sell and that's exactly <laughs> the price point it's you know it's 350 mm-hmm. or three to everything is three to six dollars exactly and i go in there and you know i i, I like ebooks fine you know i'm gonna fly to indonesia i'm not gonna take 20 books i'm mm-hmm. gonna take a tablet or a computer but uh I go into that store, and somehow that price point just uh, just gets me loading up the basket. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is that how it's working with Aunt Agatha's as well? Oh, definitely. I had a lady in yesterday who just, she said, these are 350 and she'd buy like 10 by, you know, each author. And she left, you know, with a couple shopping bags, and she only spent $100. So, you know, that's a lot of long-time reading for really not a lot of outlay. <laughs> When I go in twice a year, at least for my mom, and just say I have forty dollars to spend, what can you recommend? You know that she yeah. would like, and she's never been 
dissatisfied. That's, that's the other. That's the other essential part is you're kind of a curator. You have to know what's exciting, what's you know good, what people will like. Um, otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> Kate, as a librarian, how do you find that that uh, impacts, you know, uh, given the profusion of information online, people (laughs) are looking for guidance? Yes. And um, I actually work in the technical services department at the library with periodicals, and they're predominantly going online. Um, We're still getting lots of book books, um, but... In my area, it's definitely more of the electronic. Um, and that makes me kind of sad because I like sad. flipping through and, um, you know, just the feel of them. And I used to work at uh, an old remainder bookstore in town called Afterwards. Yeah, I remember Great that and, store. And that's another one where your people would just be yeah. like, oh, my God, I must buy all of these books because they're four ninety nine. Yeah, and they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we've definitely seen a change in the in the bookseller market in town but i think there's the ann arbor's always going to be a a book community yeah i think hope the, so <laughs> i think there's room for a you know a general interest new bookstore downtown that is you know not as big as borders was but has an intelligent fun staff the way borders did in its early days that made it the cool place to go I think so. I think so. We get Nicola to move downtown. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something with the university. There's still students who want actual, an actual book copy of something. Yeah, it's a little easier to mark up. It's a little easier to flip through and find out exactly mm-hmm. what it, you know. Oh, I, I know it's on this page range, right. and you know, um, and I'm somebody who has uh, an e-reader, and I still, I think, predominantly buy book book books so that's about where i am i mean it's you know it, it makes sense for some things but mm-hmm. not for others mm-hmm. right. you know. a cookbook on a tablet is just not no that's not gonna work <laughs> <No>. <laughs> many of our customers do both we yeah. have a customer who's an archaeologist she spends the summer in israel for that she takes her kindle but then she comes back and she's just loading up on hardbacks. So, do you give customers a chance to 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 download the book? Is there a way? That's no. what I've always wondered. Is you know, <laughs> if no. they get your curatorial <laughs> services, they right. should be able to give you a few bucks and for that and download I, the book in your store. Well, they should, but they should just buy the book then from me. <laughs> but I do know, you know, I have a website with book reviews, and I know people read the reviews and buy the books that way, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's making it easy for them. Yeah. Well, uh, we're we're running out of time. What else would you like people to know about the Carytown Book Festival, as well as just emphasizing that it is Sunday, September 9th, starting at eleven a.m. At eleven a.m. Yep, it's just a fun uh, party for books mm-hmm. and authors. It's just a really fun day. I've never not had it be fun. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. Yeah. It's, 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 we're not uptight at all. It's yeah. not, we're not snooty book yeah. people. Right, we're not, we're not snooty. <laughs> <laughs> and there really is something for pretty much everybody. I would think so, too. It does sound as though whether you're into sports or you have kids that like kids' books mm-hmm. or you're a serious, hardcore uh, artist or antiquarian, that there's, there's something to do mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me let me say goodbye 
And are, so there, it's a party. Are there after parties? We have to get after parties. <laughs> now we're too tired <laughs> of an after party, let me tell you. <laughs> get, get the bars involved. That, that'll, that's, that'll take they, you to the next they, level. If they want to wheel the sofas over, that'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot. Robin Agnew of Aunt Agatha's Books, Kate Kehoe of the University of Michigan Libraries. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And Thank you. we'll see you at the Carytown Book Festival on Sunday, September 9th. Thanks a lot. Thanks.
This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, August 22, 2012, in Los Angeles. I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, Republican leaders finalize draft text for their party platform ahead of next week's convention. We'll take a look at where they stand on immigration. Advocates launch a campaign to highlight the mortgage crisis in key swing states across the U.S. And we'll go to British Columbia, where First Nation members are fighting a condo project on an ancient burial ground. Those stories and more coming up after this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. Workers at a second platinum mine in South Africa have issued wage grievances. This follows a week of protests at the Maricana mine near Pretoria. There, a total of 40 people died during clashes between miners and police officers. FSRN's Davison Mzingwa reports from Cape Town. Workers at Rasimoni Mine have registered grievances similar to those of fellow miners at Maricana Mine. They are demanding more pay and better working conditions. A large group of workers has reportedly gathered at the mine. And some commentators believe the worker action was spurred by last week's violent clashes between striking miners and the police. The government of South Africa is battling to contain the situation at the mines. Today, President Jacob Zuma made his second visit to the Marikana mine within four days. He called for a quick inquiry into last week's violence. Zuma's visit follows a hostile reception for government officials Tuesday. Workers gathering at a 